0: Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor, Joe Kerr, with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall.
1: Welcome to A View from the Wall. I'm Dylan Burrows. I'm here with my co-host Joe Kerr, and we are excited to be broadcasting from the Hope for Our Times conference. It's an exciting event featuring some of the top prophecy voices from around the nation and even worldwide. And today we have the special opportunity to meet with Dr. Ed Heinsen. Dr. Heinsen is Dean of the School of Divinity and Distinguished Professor of Religion at Liberty University. He's a speaker on The King is Coming and author and general editor of 40 books. Dr. Heinsen, welcome to the program.
2: Yeah, thank you, Dylan always great to be with you guys. appreciate everything that you're doing.
1: Well, Joe, as we are here at the conference, tell me some of the things that you've seen so far that have stood out to you in terms of how God is working among his people and discussing the end times and the soon coming of Jesus Christ. It is so
3: great to hear the stories. We get to hear the stories of folks who have been in churches where they teach Bible prophecy and have for years. And we get to hear the testimonies of those folks who just got saved. And it's absolutely the fire in their witness. I want to know more about this. Jesus is coming back. Tell me everything I can hear. And you have a great mixture of that audience here. So it's always a great environment to get all that.
2: Yeah, there's a tremendous crowd here, and it's a wide variety of ages, a wide variety of backgrounds, and uh, exciting to see. People are very interested in knowing what does the Bible itself say about the future and about the coming of Christ.
1: And that's what we want to get to right now as we talk about your book, Can We Still Believe in the Rapture? You co authored this with Mark Hitchcock, a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. The two of you have written and spoken together a lot. But tell us a little bit the background of this story. There is so much controversy today about the rapture, believing in it at all. Uh, tell us just kind of the motivation as you got this book out and together.
2: Yeah, well, that's exactly the motivation uh, because there's so much pushback all of a sudden where people are saying, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Oh, the word Trinity is not in the Bible either. Uh, we believe in the triune God because the concept is clearly taught in the Bible. Uh, the word Sunday is not in the Bible, but we worship on Sunday because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday on the first day of the week. It's a resurrection celebration. So part of our thing is to emphasize the concept of the rapture is clearly taught in the Bible Yes, the English word is not there, but in the Greek New Testament, the original word, harpazo, simply means snatched away, caught away. So in most English Bibles, it's translated caught up. There has to be a time, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, when the dead in Christ are raised and the living are caught up. So Mark and I have argued You can differ if you want to on the timing of the rapture, but for people to go around saying there's never going to be a rapture, that absolutely contradicts what the Bible says. There has to be a rapture because there has to be a resurrection at the end of time, and at the end of time, the dead are raised and the living are caught up. That's clearly taught in the Bible. The real debate is when, the timing issue.
1: Yes, and that's important to discuss as well. And we talked about this recently on one of our live streams, Joe. I know we've looked at John 14, 1 Corinthians 15, as well as 1 Thessalonians 4 that you talked about. Joe, talk a little bit about some of the feedback we've gotten from those who are concerned about what the Bible says about the rapture and what they should believe about that for themselves and for their family.
3: That's a great question. There are a few issues in the Bible that affect a few people. Let's face it, not everything in the Bible applies to every single individual life. If you're not a woman, some of the passages aren't going to apply to you. But the rapture of the church, we are all the church. And Paul didn't say family of God, he said body. So it's an issue that divides some of the church but it should be the one that unifies us the most because it's the hope that all of us share. doesn't matter what country you're from. doesn't matter any background. doesn't matter any of that. Religion, church name, denomination, we all have that same hope. Now, the Apostle Paul uh, said to Timothy, uh, there's a
2: crown of righteousness laid up for all those who love his appearing. Uh, so one of the questions Mark and I have raised in the book is, does your particular view of the second coming your particular view of eschatology give you a love for the coming of Christ it ought to propel us to look forward to his coming uh, and Jesus himself in Matthew 24 tells you keep watching for me to come be ready for me to come keep serving until I come i think that's the balanced approach uh, the believer lives with an eye on the sky the lord could come at any time he could come today but you keep your feet on the earth. I have a job to do in the meantime to serve the Lord for as long as he gives me until the trumpet sounds and the archangel shouts and we're out of here to the glory of God.
1: Right, and you even brought your Bible today. You're looking at First Thessalonians 4. Share a little bit about that classic rapture passage, some of the things that we look forward to, some of the things that have convinced you that the rapture is any moment, and even before the tribulation period. This is important for our listeners to pick up on.
2: Yeah, well, it says in that passage clearly uh, that uh, there's coming a time when the Lord himself will descend from heaven uh, with a loud cry or a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Uh, Then we that are alive and remain will be caught up, that's the rapture term, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So this is not a coming to the earth in this passage. Uh, Obviously, the believers, dead or raised, living or caught up, the whole body of Christ is taken up in the rapture to meet the Lord in the air, Uh, And so shall we always be with the Lord. When you look at the return passages, uh, like Revelation 19, where Jesus comes back uh, to decisively win the battle of Armageddon, it says he brings with him those that are with him. The believers return with him. So if you read Revelation 19, you've got to go up to go to the judgment seat of Christ. You've got to go up to heaven to go to the marriage of the Lamb. And it's after those events that the believers return with Christ in the return to the earth. So the rapture up to the clouds, up to the Father's house, uh, up to the judgment seat of Christ, up to the marriage. And in the return, we return with him it's obvious those are two separate events that are all part of God's plan for us for the future.
1: Right, and I think if you look at John 14, you see this as well, where Jesus goes, I prepare, I go to prepare a place for you. And then what does he talk about after that in relation to the rapture?
2: Well, and if I go, I will come again yes. and receive you unto myself. Uh, and he said that only to the 11 believing disciples. At that point, Judas had left the room. On his way to betray him on that last night. And it's to the 11 believers he gives the assurance of the promise of the rapture to the Father's house.
1: We're here with Dr. Ed Heinson. We're enjoying talking about his book, Can We Still Believe in the Rapture? And we'll be back on A View from the Wall.
0: From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. Psalm 23 begins with the familiar phrase, The Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd leads his sheep to good things, symbolized by green pastures, still waters, and a banquet feast. Verse 4 reads, He restores or refreshes my soul. How great is that? However, these promises and blessings can only be received when God is our shepherd, when we are in relationship with Him through His Son Jesus. For it is the shepherd that leads us to good things. We live in perilous and stressful times. However, there is a good shepherd who wants to guide and help us in our daily walk. The I Am A Watchman ministry does too. Visit IAmAWatchman.com for free resources designed to equip and encourage. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. IAmAWatchman.com
1: Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan Burroughs with Joe Curran. We've been interviewing Dr. Ed Heinsen about his co-authored book, Can We Still Believe in the Rapture? And one of those passages that I love that speaks about the rapture very clearly is 1 Corinthians 15, those final verses. Joe, talk a little bit about the importance of this passage and we'll let Dr. Heinsen comment a little bit further.
3: Dr. Heinsen is ready to go. Let me just have you jump right into that. I can see you sitting on the edge the edge of i my seat. Well, as he... Paul's
2: message on the promise of the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, is one of the most important passages in all of Scripture. And all genuine Christians who know their Bible know that. Uh, If you say to somebody, where does the Bible talk about the resurrection of the dead? 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says, if this is not a reality for us, uh, then our faith is vain, uh, that we not only believe that God can get us through this life, Uh, but that he can raise the dead and give us eternal life. And the whole chapter deals with that. But as he comes down to the end of the chapter, uh, he, he says in verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We will not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. So some believers are going to die and their physical body goes to the grave to the dust and the ashes of time. The spirit goes to heaven to be with the Lord. Paul makes that clear in other passages. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So at death, your spirit goes to heaven, your body goes to the grave. But then his promise is, but we're all going to be changed. The dead are going to be changed at the resurrection. It is a literal resurrection of the body. And those that are living are those that are going to be Changed for then he says, The trumpet will sound, uh, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, the mortal body must put on immortality. uh, And when this happens, uh, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's seeing this as a promise to everybody, those that have died in Christ and those that are still alive when the Lord returns, we're all going to be changed. Uh, That implies a glorified body. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose literally, but he rose in a glorified body. He didn't just rise spiritually. He didn't ooze out of the grave. The stone wasn't really rolled away to let him out, it was rolled away to let us in to see that he is not here. He's risen. Uh, he rises through the stone. He appears in the room with the disciples that same day. Uh, instantly through the wall, the doors are locked, and yet it's a real body because he says, touch me and see that I'm real. Uh, Thomas, put your finger in the nail print. Uh, Be not faithless but believing. On three occasions after the resurrection, he ate with the disciples. Uh, That tells us the resurrection body of Jesus is a real body, Uh, a glorified body to be sure, but a real, physical, tangible body. And Our resurrection is based on the hope of his resurrection. If we believe he rose from the dead, therefore, Paul says earlier in 1 Corinthians 15, we have that same hope, that same assurance, we too will rise from the dead. That's why from the very beginning of church history, Christians had confidence in the reality of their resurrection based on his resurrection And for those that are alive when the Lord comes, who've not yet died in a mortal body, their body too will be changed and transformed and made imperishable into an eternal
3: uh, glorified body. And that's why Paul uses the word victory. Exactly. There are a lot of ways to describe that event, but victory goes well beyond just dead, now you're alive. Yeah, it's the whole triumph over
2: uh, the fallen nature of the human race that it ends in death. Uh, the real triumph that comes through Jesus Christ, who gives us the victory.
1: Right. And I know early in studying the Bible myself, there's this Thing that appears, you see that Jesus is coming back and you're excited about it, but then you see passages that talk about it differently and you start to notice that there's a difference between these rapture passages that we've talked about and the second coming of Jesus that takes place near the end of Revelation. So for those who are listening who may be confused about that or not clear, let's talk about some of those differences between the rapture and the return. Let's share some of those that are listed in your book in chapter six.
2: I think it's pretty obvious in the Bible that uh, the rapture passages all have to be looked at in light of the fact that you're going up to the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, to go to the father's house, uh, to go to those events we mentioned before. At some point you've got to go up to the judgment seat of Christ and to the marriage uh, and then return with Christ. But when he returns, you're returning to the earth. Uh, You're not going up to the heavens. You've already been there. You're returning to the earth And you're coming back with him to reign and rule in his millennial kingdom on the earth as well. Uh, So the difference is, in the rapture, we're caught up to the Father's house to be prepared for the return. The return, we're coming back with him, and at the time of the return... The reference is not to going up, it's to coming back. It's coming back with a function and a purpose. Now, a lot of times critics of the rapture will say, oh, you guys are a bunch of escapists. You aren't really dealing with the real world. You just want to be out of here in the rapture and escape. Well, actually, we believe we're coming back to reign and rule with Christ on earth for a thousand years. Uh, We're only escaping the wrath of Christ in the tribulation the wrath that he pours out on the unbelieving world uh, because he took the wrath of God for us on the cross. Uh, He did for us what we cannot do for ourselves, but we're not abandoning this world. We actually believe God still has a purpose for planet earth and we're coming back to share in the fulfillment of that purpose. And that fulfillment is going to go on for a millennium of time for a thousand years.
1: Yes, and I love in 1 Thessalonians 4, it talks about encouraging one another with these words. Well, how can you encourage one another when you're talking about the return where there's going to be this time of judgment? So there is a clear difference between the two. You talk about these in your book, The Rapture and the Turn, chapter 6. There are several different ones. So if you have not picked up his book already, we want to encourage you to do so. But the book of Revelation describes the end of time, the end of days. Where does the rapture fall into this scenario? And this is one of those controversial things that people talk about. Where Where is the rapture in the timeline of Revelation? So when we come back, we'll talk more about this. So stick with us here on A View from the Wall.
0: A view from the wall comes from I Am A Watchman Ministries, established to help individuals know the love of Jesus, enter into a relationship with Jesus, live for Jesus, tell others about Jesus, and prepare for the imminent return of Jesus. We want to inspire the body to live a life of meaning and purpose, and at the coming judgment, hear the Lord say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. The wise will strive to live well, so that they can finish well, the prudent will work to be aware of what God has done and what prophecy notes he will do in the days to come. In support of these goals, the I Am A Watchman ministry is happy to make available at no cost a wealth of discipleship, prophecy, and spiritual growth resources for those who desire to learn and those who are called to lead. Find out more by visiting our website, IMAWatchman.com. That's IAMAWatchman.com.
1: Welcome back to a View from the Wall. We're here with Dr. Ed Heinson at the Hope Far Times conference talking about his book with Mark Hitchcock, Can We Still Believe in the Rapture? We've been talking about some of the differences between the rapture and the return, and in this segment we want to talk about where the rapture takes place in the book of Revelation. What is that timeline of events that we have to look forward to in the future? So Dr. Heinson, take a moment and walk us through that timeline if you would.
2: Okay, I think the book of Revelation has all been understood as you have in Chapter 1, the risen Christ appears to John on the island of Patmos, commissions him to write the book of Revelation. Uh, then in chapters 2 and 3, he sends messages to the seven churches of Revelation uh, that are seven literal churches that all existed back in the first century uh, and are all connected basically by the same Roman highway. I've had the privilege of visiting all all of those sites, uh, and seeing the remains of these places. The Bible talks about real places, real people in real history. These are not made-up names. And Jesus has a personal message for each church individually. But then he says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. So the principles apply to all churches. The big difference uh, most people see is coming in chapter 4. From chapter 4 till you get to the 19th chapter, there are no clear references to the church at all again. There are clear references to Israel, clear references to the Jewish people, but no clear reference at all to the church. So the assumption is that from chapter 4 on, you're talking about what's going to occur during the time of tribulation, the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments are all called the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of God the Father. Uh, and when we look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, we're reminded that the church is not appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation. And in the context of 1 Thessalonians 5, it's eschatology. He's not talking about wrath and He's saying... The wrath of God that comes at the end of the time is not for the church. Uh, And therefore, if the church is not the object of the wrath of Christ, then you don't literally beat up the bride of Christ and run her through the tribulation in order to get her more righteous to be ready to go. Uh, And yet some people teach that. Uh, Now, others argue whether... John being called up to heaven in chapter 4 is a picture of the rapture, or was a rapture, or was it a vision? Uh, There the phrase, come up here on a bear, is not the harpazo word for the rapture, but John says immediately he was in heaven, he sees the throne room of heaven, and he tries to describe the indescribable. God is inaccessible. God is on the throne. There's a sea of glass in front of him, lightning bolts, uh, and uh, he sees creatures there. But he also sees the elders there with white robes and crowns of gold on their head. And throughout Revelation, that's a picture of the believers. Those are not angels. So... That has to be the raptured church that's pictured by the 24 elders up in heaven. And John is going to see from their perspective what is going to happen now uh, and what will follow in the future. So he's given a heavenly perspective similar to that of the raptured church. And the church is worshiping God, saying, you are worthy of our worthship, Because you have created all things, etc. Then in chapter 5, Christ appears as the Lamb of God, uh, a term that's used of him, a picture about 28 times in the book, that he's the one who dies for our sins, he's the one who pays for our sin, he's the one who takes the wrath of God upon himself, and all of heaven falls down and worships him, saying, Worthy is the Lamb. So there you clearly have the deity of Christ shouting to you throughout the book of Revelation that he's co-equal with the Father. He's co-equal in the throne. The Father receives worship in chapter 4. Christ the Lamb receives the worship uh, in chapter 5. And this worship is being given again, not only by the angels and all the creation itself, but by the elders uh, that they're worshiping the Lord. And then as the book of Revelation unfolds, then you have the series of judgments, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. But when you get to the climax of the book and you go to chapter 19, after all of those judgments, in the 19th chapter, you have four hallelujahs of praise. You have the marriage of the lamb clearly described And the people at the marriage of the Lamb receive white robes, a gift of the righteousness of God. And then in chapter 19, verse 14, it says, the armies of heaven were arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, and they were following him on white horses, etc. That's the believers. That's the raptured church. Yes, angels attend the Lord at his coming. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew says that. But in this passage, these are those who receive the white robe at the marriage. And those are not angels. Those are believers. The rapture has to occur before the marriage. The rapture has to recur then before the return. So the real debate is, how do you work out the timing of all of that? If you say that it all happens at the end of the tribulation period, you'd have to have the rapture occur instantly, the judgment take place instantly, the marriage instantly, the return instantly, almost all in one event, like you're up, you're down immediately? Or is it separated by the seven years of the tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble uh, that's defined in Daniel chapter 9, the 70th 7 of Daniel's prophecy that gives you some distance between the rapture uh, and the return? And then You clearly have this idea that when we return, we're not coming back to help him fight at this battle. He slays the army of the Antichrist with the sword of his mouth, that the power of his spoken word uh, and the beast and the false prophet are cast alive into the lake of fire. We're simply there to cheer him on. Uh, He doesn't need our help. Uh, He who created the world in the first place uh, is going to speak and it's over Uh, And all of a sudden, the world system collapses finally. Mankind has failed utterly. And Jesus comes to restore order on planet Earth and to reign and rule in peace and to fulfill the promises of the Old Testament prophets that the Messiah would come ultimately as king. So at the end of Revelation 19, suddenly the cry is, King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. The lamb has become the king.
3: Dr. Heinsohn, we always ask our guests to address directly that community of watchmen, those who are burdened to watch, warn, witness, and finish well. If you could talk to them right this minute, what would you tell
2: them? Now, that's a pretty good application. Watch, warn, and witness. Uh, Keep watching for Jesus to come. Be ready in your own heart. Make sure you're not just curious about what is going to happen in the future, but who is coming in the future. It's really all about him and our relationship to him. Know that you know that you're ready to go. But in the meantime, We have a responsibility to make a difference in the world in which we live, uh, to share the gospel, to live the gospel, and to apply the principles of the gospel uh, to the culture uh, in which we are living today, a culture that's falling rapidly into darkness and needs the power of Christ like never before.
1: Well said, Dr. Heinsen, Thank you so much for being with us on A View From The Wall. We want to encourage those who are listening today to go to Iamawatchman.com where we will share some information if you go to the link for our store on how you can get Can We Still Believe in the Rapture? It's a great book by Dr. Ed Heinsohn and Dr. Mark Hitchcock will help you better understand the topic and use for your own personal growth as well as for Bible study. And as always, we want to encourage you to continue pressing on as Watchmen. Thank you for joining us on A View From The Wall.